Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. My name is Leah and I am your host. We are the mentorship program that helps women and girls to rebuild their health after it has been disrupted by trauma. One of the things that we're going to be talking about today is the topic of eating disorders. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and eating disorders and trauma are often interconnected, despite the fact that many people treat them as very separate. The sad reality is that trauma does have a lot to do with eating disorders. Many researchers have analyzed this connection, and one study found that one-third of women with bulimia nervosa, 20% with binge eating disorder, and 12% with anorexia also met the criteria for PTSD. Likewise, they discovered that eating disorders were more prevalent in people with trauma and PTSD. Another study found that 30% of people with eating disorders had been sexually abused as a child. Now, this research reveals a very strong correlation between trauma and eating disorders. But why is this? What is the connection? Eating disorders disrupt our entire sense of being. They disturb our self-image, and they really change the way in which we show up in the world and take up space. When we experience an eating disorder, we often feel like we are disconnected from our bodies, which is also a symptom of PTSD. So a lot of the work we do at Empowered is based on embodiment, is based on mindfulness, and is based on restoring that mind-body connection so that women and girls can feel safe and loved in their bodies as they are. One of the things that we'll discuss is the concept of living in our body. When we see ourselves as an extension of our body, we end up defining our self-worth by what our body looks like. This can be extremely troubling in today's diet culture society. After experiencing traumatic events, many people will experience a period of avoidance as they try to forget and disassociate themselves with anything related to these events. This is an innate defense mechanism that will help us initially avoid the pain of what occurred, but it can really lead to some debilitating coping mechanisms if left untreated. We'll often see the use of drugs, alcohol, or eating disorders as a way to cope. Studies have shown that patients who have experienced a trauma-related event are more likely to engage in these self-destructive behaviors. When you combine these traumatic experiences with the diet culture that is totally pervasive in today's society, it is a recipe for a full-blown eating disorder that can be as debilitating as the trauma that originally occurred, if not more. So we're going to be talking about the intersection of trauma and PTSD and eating disorders today. 
PTSD typically manifests in three different areas. So it can show up as hyperarousal. It can show up as triggers or avoidance of triggers. It can show up as intrusive symptoms. Hyperarousal or hypervigilance is a key feature of PTSD. And it's a startle response. It is a nervous system response. And it occurs when our window of tolerance is shortened due to trauma. People with PTSD will often feel like they are revved up or like their fight or flight system is stuck on and it makes it really hard for individuals to relax. This can actually be accompanied by somatic symptoms like stomach aches, headaches, muscle tension. Someone who is suffering from PTSD will go to great lengths to avoid encountering anything that reminds them of the trauma that endured because this will lead to more hyperarousal, flashbacks, hypervigilance, and it is a vicious cycle. These intrusive symptoms can show up in nightmares, memories, disassociation, and recurring thoughts, and they become so overwhelming that it makes it difficult to realize that you can be safe and that the trauma is no longer occurring. For many people, food becomes a tool to tolerate these distressing symptoms. So distress tolerance is a skill that is extremely important for people who are recovering from trauma, but most people who have endured trauma actually do not seek treatment or when they do, it's almost decades later. This means that for years, many clients or patients have been experiencing these intrusive symptoms, avoidance, triggers, hyperarousal, and all the other interpersonal straining that will come from PTSD. They're probably going through it alone and they've probably found ways to cope and ways to avoid having to deal with these distressing symptoms. Many studies show that the average onset of treatment after trauma is 12 years. Now that is a very, very long time to deal with traumatic events and symptomology on your own, especially when we might not understand it or when we actually have defense mechanisms that prevent us from dealing with it or facing it. So many PTSD symptoms will emerge and they'll be exacerbated by an eating disorder. Many of our clients come to us and they want to work on weightlifting for trauma and we actually end up finding that they have disordered patterns of eating. Research indicates that people with comorbid ED and PTSD, so that's eating disorders and PTSD, are more likely to engage in multiple forms of purging. Now, one of the forms of purging that many people don't think about is exercise. So purging is often thought to be throwing up, laxatives, things like that. But exercise bulimia is a very, very common and often undiagnosed issue. Exercise bulimia is when we go to really large lengths to control our calorie intake or to decrease our caloric intake by out exercising it. These coping mechanisms and behaviors often fly under the radar. When we think about throwing up, we automatically think about somebody who is sick. When we think about exercise, we tend not to go down that route. People who exercise a ton might be considered a health nut. For whatever reason, over-exercising is also looked at as uh, something to pride yourself with in our fitness and diet culture society. But it becomes extremely dangerous when it is linked to mental health. 
And what can start as just a stress reliever for many people coping with stress can easily spiral out of control to become intrusive to your daily living and to become an addiction. This can be so dangerous on so many different levels. The first thing is, is any addiction is going to make us miss out on the rest of our life. And so we'll see a lot of people with exercise bulimia start to withdraw from activities that they enjoy. They stop going out and being social if there are food items or drinks involved. And they really are more concerned about getting up early and getting their workout in than they are about resting their bodies, which brings us to the other reason why this can be so debilitating and dangerous. The chronic use of overexercising as a coping mechanism to burn calories and to relieve stress can actually create a prolonged bout of under recovery, which predisposes our body to a lowered immune system, to more injury, to chronic stress and inflammation, and it can really wreak havoc on our metabolism. So many people don't realize that at Empowered RX, we help you clean up the aftermath after your health has been disrupted. So we'll have a lot of women who come to us who have either been in eating disorder treatment or they have had patterns of disordered eating on and off throughout their whole life. And they have symptoms of inability to recover from workouts. They aren't able to see any progression in their strength. They might also feel like they're injured all the time they feel sluggish they feel irritable and they feel like they're just not able to make any health changes effectively and this is actually a vicious cycle that promotes them into thinking that they need more exercise or dieting and so we'll see this vicious cycle of restriction binging of course when we can't restrict anymore into trying to out exercise until we're extremely fatigued we end up with worse self-esteem, worse body image, and so the cycle will continue over and over and over again. Major issue that we'll see with people who have experienced trauma and eating disorders is a lack of recovery and a lack of ability to maintain fluid balance. This can happen for a variety of reasons. So constant stress is actually gonna predispose us to be dehydrated more easily. And I'm not gonna dive into the physiology of that, but most people don't know it. And another thing that occurs because of trauma is that we can lose touch with our thirst and hunger mechanisms. So if I am triggered and having intrusive thoughts, I'm probably not going to be drinking the amount of water that's gonna help me be hydrated. Then we add in over-exercising to the mix, which is going to make us sweat and also dehydrate us. If I'm calorically restricting on top of these things, then we're gonna be missing out on key nutrients and electrolytes that are gonna help us with that fluid balance. Once our fluid balance is off, we can start to see it dramatically impact most systems in the body. We'll start to lose cognitive function. We might feel a brain fog. We might feel a little dizzy or lightheaded. We'll also see that our GI system starts to become affected. And many women who have experienced trauma and who have eating disorders will experience constipation. After this, we might have chronic stomach aches. We might feel lethargic and a whole slew of other health issues. So that's just from the hydration standpoint of overexercise. There are so many different factors here, so we'll be diving into a couple more. Where Empowered RX comes into play is with this idea of burnout, which is almost inevitable if you are calorically restricting and not getting your recovery days combined with overexercise. So physical exhaustion or burnout is 
one of those things that can happen to anybody, but it specifically can happen very quickly to people who have an eating disorder or who have experienced trauma just because of the way that stress impacts the rest of the nervous system. So exercise volume is a dose response relationship, which means that increased exposure leads to more health benefits, but there is a rate of diminishing returns and also a tipping point. So beyond this tipping point, is this area where too much exercise is actually more detrimental than beneficial. And if we don't have correct fueling, if we don't have the right recovery, and if we're over-exercising, this is the perfect recipe for that tipping point. So this maladaptive response to overtraining is really an imbalance of training and recovery. No rest, no fueling, no self-care. It's really important because people who overtrain often feel guilty or anxious if they're not exercising. And with an eating disorder, this is also related to burning calories. So these individuals will continue to exercise even if they're sick or they're injured. And this obviously can lead to a whole slew of other issues. Some of these adverse effects are going to be hormonal dysfunction. Now, overtraining is going to exert a negative effect on your stress hormones. And these are cortisol and epinephrine. These imbalances can lead to emotional uh, instability, trouble with concentration, that brain fog that I was talking about. It leads to difficulty with sleep and it leads to depression. The other issue though is for women who are experiencing these eating disorders or this disordered pattern of behavior is that it's going to disrupt our reproductive system. So we know that from severe caloric restriction and weight loss, many women and girls will go on to lose their period. But over-exercising can also have this consequence. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had people bring their daughters to me who are female athletes with the goal of getting stronger for something like soccer or for gymnastics. In our initial intake, I'll ask questions about her physical activity routine and I'll find out that she has soccer practice two times a week on top of games, on top of going to the gym with friends, on top of running, and I find out that she's actually over-exercising and they're still wanting to add weightlifting into the mix. When I ask about food and fuel, I'll often find that these girls are under-eating, skipping snacks, not eating lunch at school, and just kind of going into practice low on calories for the day. This is a recipe for disaster, but there's an issue. Many people in the medical field associate a lack of period in athletes with something that's normal. I've had a doctor tell some of my clients that it's normal for her to lose her period because of how physically active she is. I'm telling you right now, if you or your daughter loses your period, that is something to seek help for. I might go to your primary care, and if they kind of don't take it seriously, then I would reach out to a professional and really look at the habits that you have going on in your daily life, maybe where there's room to nourish your body even more. So while these workouts are going to damage our hormones in those ways, we can also see them impact other endocrine systems. So we can see thyroid conditions, adrenal fatigue. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we can see other things like cortisol spiking and just general fatigue. So all of these things are, we could do a separate podcast on each of these hormonal imbalances, but really it's going to be because the adrenaline output and physical demand on joints leads to more stress on the thyroid because of cortisol imbalances.
Now, these hormone imbalances are also going to impact those thirst and hunger mechanisms, which can further be skewed from restrictive eating, from binging, from depression and stress. And these behaviors are going to really diminish our ability to eat. So although exercise should boost hunger, excess exercise can actually do the opposite. And it can become a very serious issue for those who overtrain. If we're overtraining that much and we're not getting fuel, we can actually expect some degree of rhabdomyolysis or impaired metabolism to occur. So rhabdomyolysis is an extremely dangerous condition that most people seek hospital treatment for. I've heard of a lot of female athletes who run their bodies into the ground and they end up with rhabdo because of underfueling, under recovering and over exercising. This can lead to long-term kidney damage and even kidney failure if not taken seriously. These are just really the acute impacts of over exercising chronic under recovery combined with caloric restriction. We're not even talking down the road. This could happen in just a couple of weeks to a couple of months in some cases. When we look at people who have struggled with trauma or eating disorders, disordered patterns of eating, or any just poor food relationships, we're going to see long-term health consequences. And these are extremely debilitating and extremely scary. One of the biggest concerns about the girls that come to me after they've been in eating disorder treatment is their bone mineral density. So if we've had an eating disorder for a long period of time, um, we'll see diminished bone mineral density, which leads to osteopenia and osteoporosis later in life. The sad thing is, is that it only takes about six to eight weeks to start to see a decrease in this bone mineral density. So if you've ever just been on one intense diet in your life, you might have already started to contribute to that. So many women are at risk for osteoporosis already that when we combine trauma and an eating disorder, it's almost a guarantee that they'll see it later in life. So at Empowered Rx, we try to get them into weight training and strength training as soon as we can to start um, increasing the amount of tension that their muscles are experiencing so that it can put that load on the skeletal system and really start that bone remodeling process. It's extremely important to establish that strength in the bones and the skeletal system and in the joints and the muscles, but we need to be at a point in the recovery process that we have restored weight and are eating adequate calories again. So we do not recommend that you start to exercise until you have been medically cleared if you are in the recovery process of an eating disorder. Now this chronic over-exercising and malnourishment can lead to other debilitating symptoms. And when we start to look at the cardiac system, this is where it becomes really scary because without your heart, you are dead. So this might start off with dehydration and electrolyte imbalance, which can lead to arrhythmias and palpitations and things of that nature. But what we'll see with long-term duration of chronic uh, overloading with exercise and re caloric restriction is we'll actually see that the heart has to work a lot harder to circulate blood and to get oxygen to the body, especially during exercise. So we'll see this increased fatigue, we'll see increased injury, we'll see respiratory strain, but the risks are for stroke, heart attack, cardiac arrest, all of these things um, can lead to, to death and are extremely fatal. So unfortunately, many people with eating disorders will not recover and about 20% will fully recover in their lifetime. That's 20% of women diagnosed with eating disorders. 
there's 11 million women in America today, probably more than that, but that's about the statistic that most research gives that are struggling with this. So imagine if only 20% of those women will go on to fully recover. The rest will suffer health consequences or death as a relate of these eating disorders. It is our hope to help women and girls everywhere that are struggling to reclaim their strength both inside and out so that they do not relapse. So there are studies that show that the average woman who's had an eating disorder since she was at age 10 or so has relapsed about 18 times across her lifespan. That is some serious damage to the body and the mind and the soul. And so our hope really is to help women establish healthy behaviors outside of the in-treatment and outpatient treatment centers that translate over into their daily life. So we teach them how to have a healthy relationship with exercise, how to have a healthy relationship with food, how to have a healthy relationship with our body, body image, self-esteem, sex appeal. We go over all of these things because they come with being a woman. And so often our school system fails to educate our youth on these things. So a lot of girls I talk to have actually learned about how to count calories in their health education classes. They've also learned the abstinence only method um, when it comes to sex education, and they've been kind of body shamed when it comes to the period and reproductive system and puberty. And so we really need to look at these systemic issues going on in the health education system and in diet culture. And until we do, Empower Rx is there to help correct the aftermath and to help girls pick up the pieces when their health has been disrupted by these really harmful traumatic experiences and eating disorders. If you can relate to anything that we've talked about in this podcast so far, please reach out to us. We are here for you. We have a free community on Facebook. Just look us up at Empowered RX Community. You can get free support there. You can also book a free call on our website, www.empoweredrx.org. And you're free to explore the blog posts there, which are all really educational. And our other podcasts might also shed light on these other topics. If you have a topic that you have questions about or you want to hear about, please let us know. Email us, leah at empoweredrx.org. That's L-E-A-H at empoweredrx.org. Please also, if you've enjoyed or gotten any use out of this podcast, please leave us a review. It's going to help us to help more women by creating higher visibility. Thank you so much for your time today, and we hope that you have an amazing day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at EmpoweredRx, or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the Empowered Rx community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.